um, beginning at verse 3. We're going to have to train your fingers to flip through the pages faster. You know, you know, one way um, as a preacher, you know, something to do in person, the, um, the test our knowledge is to tell, to ask them to turn to Mark chapter 17. <laughs> The reason why I say that is because there is no 17th chapter. And uh, we'll see how many people actually, you know what I mean? <laughs> see how much you know your Bibles. Or I should have said, hey, t turn to Second uh, Timothy chapter uh, 7. And, and see how many of you say amen. <laughs> Oh man, you'd be in some trouble. You get a fat rebuke. <laughs> and some liars, huh? Um <coughs> Nah, I don't believe you would do that. At least I hope you wouldn't. Um but let's let's come to prayer now. Welcome everyone. Let let us join and corporate and, and concert prayer <clears throat> to ask the Lord for his blessing upon our gathering today. I want to solemnly exhort you to render to the Lord an undivided attention. Okay, so let, let us pray. <clears throat> Father, we come before you, Lord. And Lord, we come to the throne of grace boldly that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name that your precious blood would forgive us of all sin. Or that your precious blood would cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Father, we come not by our own merit or by our own worthiness, Lord, but by the worthiness of your precious blood that was shed for our sins. Holy Spirit, would you join with us, O Lord. Father, forgive us. May we come with correct hearts. May we come with true hearts, Lord, sprinkled by the blood of Christ, cleansed from an evil conscience, from dead works that we may serve the living God. O Lord, enable us <clears throat> to render unto you a holy act of service and worship, Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name that your Spirit would join with us and that you would commune with us. Lord, that we would lay aside every weight that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Father, grant us, Lord, grace today. Grant us, O Lord, grace that we may receive the Word, that we would be not only hearers of the Word, but doers. That we would not only be hearers of the word, but doers. 
grant us grace to be able to apply your word. O God, enable us to glean from your scriptures truth, O Lord, that is relevant and needed. Father, I pray that a thus saith the Lord would come forth from my, my, my lips, Father, that I would speak not by my own um, contrived thoughts or by my own power, Lord. We know there's no power in eloquence. There's no power in oration. There's no power in uh, the lips that are able to articulate even truth. But it comes only by your Spirit. So join, Lord, with weight. Join, O God, with weight. An ever-creasing and eternal weight of glory. May your Shekinah glory rest in this place. God, I need your assistance. I need your power. I need your ability. Help me, Lord. Father, I pray that you would speak to each and every one of your children today. Speak, Lord, exactly what they need to hear. Empower us. And Father, I ask right now, I just pray against all unworthiness. Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name. Or that we would be so overwhelmed by your love. So overwhelmed by your grace. That our failures and our sin would be something that we are not even attentive to. Because of your great mercy. So I I pray Lord, enlarge our hearts that we may receive today. May the exploitation of the devil lose its grip. In your holy and precious name I pray, Lord. Amen. 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 Once again, I want to ask that um, if you haven't already, do turn there, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 3. We're just going to be reading... Um, a bit, I, um, okay, cool, um, we need to expose ourselves to God's word, um, it's a mirror, and it is important that we revisit this mirror, because we have a tendency to forget what we look like. Some of you um, know what you look like very well in the flesh because you live in the mirror. (laughs) You have to get your makeup right. You have to get your hair right, you know, or whatever, right? You have to... Some of you have to have uh, maybe that that one little curl or... (laughs) Or it has to be just this way. Alright, so you kind of perfected your image. And and you can't perfect your image without taking a look in the mirror. Now, how exactly is it possible that we would come to the image of Christ? 
that we would arrive, that we would conform to that image if we are negligent to the scriptures. Brothers and my sisters, may it not be the case that you you read the Bible out of guilt. Some of you may not read on a daily basis. And the time that you come to read it tends to only be from a place of guilt. Almost as if to make up for the lack of reading that you've performed. That's not what God desires. The Lord wants us to read out of hunger. He wants us to read out of hunger. That's the place from which he wants us to read. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Amen. We have to be filled with his righteousness. We have to be filled with his manna. And some of you, and the Lord is leading me to say this because he's correcting some of you. I know when he has me, see, preaching is like navigation. This is why I don't have structured notes, is because the Lord has a way of vetoing whatever it is that I would like to contrive in advance. I need to be navigated by the Spirit because he, when we join, you must understand, and I don't say this arrogantly, But you must understand that when a man of God that is anointed speaks, we're listening to the voice of another, from a realm of another, from an entirely different realm. From heaven, we are listening to a spirit, and that spirit is holy. We're listening to a Holy Spirit. I remember in my Western Civilization class, uh, my uh, professor, she had expounded on the, um, she was recounting the times of um, of uh, Nazi Germany and Adolf Hitler's speech, and there were people that were absolutely mesmerized. And in fact, there's some people she was she was explaining to me that were in the occult that would read the literature uh, of Nazi, uh, the, the, the Nazis and, and they wanted to try to relive that, even though they didn't spend the time there in, in Germany, they wanted to relive that and they would even invoke spirits that were present in Germany that, that, uh, that, that were speaking through Hitler. And so th- this is a very spiritual realm. There are spirits that speak through people. I remember reading the uh, uh, Plato's Apology, where Socrates goes throughout Athens. He's referred to the gadfly of Athens because he's pestering people and he just prods them with questions. And he he comes to the point where he offers his apologia, that is Greek to say his defense, because he's placed on trial for a number of accusations. One for uh, the accu- accusation that he was perverting the youth of Athens and um, basically the spreading around uh, these doctrines that were corrupting the youth was the charge. And he said that he only would speak as the Spirit 
that was in him would guide him. Well, we must be guided by the Holy Ghost. We must be guided by the Holy Ghost. And we must hear his voice. <clears throat> we need to hear the Holy One's voice. Amen. And so the Lord was leading me to say that there, you know, that there's a there's a deficiency in some of the of your lives with regards to your devotion. And some of you read and you pray out of guilt because you've missed a day or you missed two days. But the Lord doesn't want us to live like that. The Lord wants us to live continually feasting upon his manna. <clears throat> but once again, for Second uh, Timothy chapter uh, one verse three, I thank God, whom I serve as my ancestor did, with a clear conscience, as night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers, recalling your tears. I long to see you, so that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. Now, we're going to be reading verse by verse, and I just want to hopefully give explanation and, and commentary to um, this chapter here. But one of the things that I observe here from the life of Paul is he says, I constantly... Remember you in my prayers. Um, this is a constant thing. This is what he says in Colossians chapter 4 verse 2. To be constant in prayer. To be steadfast in prayer. And what I enjoy about reading the prayers of Paul is that he remembers the lives of the saints. He doesn't just pray for his own needs. He, as valid as that, as that is. He doesn't just bring to the Lord his own desires, his own aspirations. The Bible says in, I believe, 1st or 2nd Corinthians, he says, uh, uh, despi uh, in, in, uh, in addition to my uh, many sleepless nights and fastings and persecutions and shipwrecks and betrayals and abandonments and uh, shipwrecks and all this stuff, he says, is upon me daily the, the burden of the churches. That's a lot. He, he has the burden of the entire churches. And so I, I want to ask us, where is our burden for the church of God? Has Jesus placed upon you the burden of the church? Now, that does not mean that you're going to be an administrator, or that everyone will be an elder, or that you're going to be held accountable to the, the souls of the sheep. But it is to suggest this, that Paul does nevertheless instruct us in Ephesians chapter 6 to all the saints. He says, now pray for all the saints with all prayers with all uh, at, at all times. So that means this, he's not just addressing leadership. This is something for us as the church at large to give ourselves to constantly, daily, and consistently. And it's going to be a bit of a struggle if you haven't yet come to the place to where you have mastered with discipline to rejoin that place of your closet 
to even pray for yourself. Charles Spurgeon said that prayer is the engine of the church, so we must continue to pray for the lives of other people. Do we, do we remember the saints? Do we remember their tears? Or are we so indifferent to the tears of others, the pain of others, that it isn't even on our radar? Because you are too consumed with your own burdens. But you know what? I've, I've learned this. Is if you've learned to be able to place the burden, your burdens that the Bible commands you to cast to Jesus, you will be in a far better position to be able to assist those who are being crushed by burdens too heavy for them to bear. Doesn't it say that in Galatians? Carry one another's burdens so that you fulfill the law of Christ. Are we fulfilling the law of Christ? Are we legalists? Are we so religious that we're just attendees, but we have no regard whatsoever about the tears and the burdens and the sufferings of our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ? But he says, I remember you constantly. Wouldn't that be a consolation and comfort to be constantly remembered by Paul and him give himself to prayer constantly for us? Wouldn't that be a comfort? <coughs> but he says, recalling your tears, I long to see you. So there's, there's this element of affection for the brotherhood, for the family of Christ. We no longer desire to, to see some of the old people that we used to see. Or maybe some of you do. We still long to see that old boyfriend of ours. We still long to see that old girlfriend of ours. We still long to see the bar. We still are, we find this burning passion to revisit the dope house. Or we have this burning passion to go and see something else. But that's not... Paul says, I've died with Christ. I've been cut off from those passions. I'm a dead man and I live as a new creation in Christ. I have the Holy Ghost living in me and it is His desires that I long to fulfill. But here we see that Paul longs to see Timothy... He he longs to see his son in the faith more he long than he see than more than he longs to go and uh, watch a soccer game or a football game or the Super Bowl. Amen. Somebody. Amen. We have brought a disgrace to the house of God. So many pastors they say, um, "Oh, you know, we're going to get you guys out early so we can get you to the Super Bowl." The heck with the Super Bowl. I don't come, I don't, I don't care about the Super Bowl. I come for God. I want God. I want His Word. I want His presence. I need something to be filled in me for my destiny. Amen. Or, or are we some Super Bowl fanatics that we would rather watch some devilish uh, people sing some worldly stuff at the halftime show? With women half naked and gangster rappers. 
We're so self-justifying in the church. And it is no wonder that we bring this compromise in and this impurity in and we're, we have no potency and no power. Because we're worshiping, a, we're worshiping a Christ we don't know. We're worshiping a Christ that is too offended to come to our meetings because we love the things that he hates. So he refuses to join. He stands at the door and knocks. And and don't think that I, I'm just I'm just saying stuff to you know sound more uh, spiritual than than I am. I I assure you, my brothers and sisters, there will be this Sunday many pastors that are proclaiming a Christ that is too offended to join their meetings. I say this from the richness of my intimacy with Christ. I know when he joins the meeting. I know when he's absent. Do we not read the book of Revelation? He says, I'm going to come and remove your lampstand. You're you're enduring false doctrine. You're enduring it. You're you're putting up with Jezebels in the church. God ain't going to wink at sin forever. And for those who would contest and say, no, Jesus is too enduring. No, that means we don't know God. Does he not say in Amos, he says, I'm tired of your festivals. I'm tired of the music that you render to me. I'm sick of your sacrifices. That's what the Lord says. He's the same. There's nothing changed about him. May we long for Christ more than we do for this, for the stuff of the world. I'm reminded of your sincere faith which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice and I'm persuaded now lives in you also now isn't that wonderful to have on his resume that he was tutored by some godly women my sisters for those of you that have children and for those of you I'm sure will have children in the future May the Lord grace you to become those godly, uh, godly Eunice and a godly Lois. Because we need um, women of God that are training their children in the ways of the Lord and not wicked LGBT. We need to raise our children in His ways and to be jealous for their salvation, to be jealous for their souls. And they will, they will, rem- they will be remember. They will remember that. They will remember your sacrifices. They will remember all that you've done. You know, Sister Nancy just recently had a child, and I'm sure it is difficult getting up in the middle of the night, feeding the baby, and stuff like that. But you're sowing, you're sowing into your child. You're being obedient unto the Lord. Sister, uh, Sister Nancy J. She's a teacher and she uh, loves children. The Lord is using her for for the children of those who are probably being abused, have been neglected. God forbid that these little ones should stumble at at um, our lives. But may God use us to become those godly role models because we're raising another generation. If Islam can raise a generation 
for radical Islam, we need to raise a generation holy unto the Lord. Amen. We need to be like Samuel's mom that says, Lord, I, I give him to you. I give him to you. He's yours. And if we give our children unto the Lord, the Lord is known to raise up mighty prophets. Amen. <laughs> that's where we got that that's where we got to stop being helicopter mom and start being godly mom. <laughs> no, the Lord's the helicopter. <laughs> He's a better helicopter than us, right? <laughs> <laughs> that don't mean be don't be super uh you know don't supervise and obviously uh there's an element of supervision and sure but with everything we can get over overboard we can become controlling but verse 6 he says for this reason i remind you to fan into flame the gift of God. To fan it into flame. So how many of you know we need to be reminded? <clears throat> this is why corporate gatherings are, are necessary and are, are vital, are crucial. Because you and I need to be reminded we are forgetful. We are forgetful. You know... Man, I remember some time back I was watching this sermon. I was listening to the sermon and this minister began to explain how um well by the way, I'm not I'm not um my my internet connection is it fine? It, if it's not, please let me know. Yes. Okay, cuz I know we had some problems last time. Awesome. Um, <clears throat> some time back, there, there, I was listening to a sermon, and this this minister was explaining how there was this um, individual, there was this, uh, I believe, a a brother in the Lord who was arrested. I forgot where he lived, but I believe it was somewhere either in Russia or Europe when it was highly communistic. And um, he was arrested, and for, I forget how many years, he was arrested for the faith. He did not see his face in the mirror. He was a young man, I believe in late teens, like 19 or early 20s. And when he got released, he was like in the 70s or 80s. And he was liberated and the first thing he asked for was a mirror. He says, I haven't seen myself in years. And he was given a mirror. The last thing he remembers is seeing a young man. And now he sees a man full of wrinkles. And he just began to sob and weep. Because he, he hadn't seen himself in so many years. I wonder how much we neglect the presence of God and we forgot we forget what we look like and by the time we revisit his presence we are far beyond what we had previously known 
ourselves to look like. So estranged to Christ. We begin to drift and begin to compromise. We no longer look like Him. We're no longer filled with youth and vigor and vitality and life and vibrantness. But we have come to a place of slothfulness and we look disfigured. But we forget, don't we? And so we need to be reminded how we look like. We need to be reminded of our identity. We need to, do, we need to be reminded of who we are in Christ. We need to be reminded to fan and to flame the gift of God. This is why I am constantly on you guys about praying. And when I'm saying prayer, I'm not just talking about petitions, just hounding heaven, storming heaven. I need this, Lord. I need this. No, this is the greatest petition. It's I need you, Lord. I need more of you. I need you to fill me with your presence. To, to stimulate and rekindle a fire such that it, it, uh, it will burn from here to eternity. I need Him. I need His glory. I need His presence. I need His essence. I need His being. Now, I love this song by Carrie Job. It says, The more I seek you, the more I find you. The more I find you, the more I love you. I want to sit at your feet. And, uh, and drink from the cup in your hands. It says, this presence is so deep, it's more than I can stand. Have you come to the place, my brothers and sisters? Nay, have you lived at that place where you can uh, uh, vocalize those lyrics and you're not parroting something you know to be Christian, but it is an etern- internal reality within your soul that this is the ache, this is the yearn, this is the longing of your heart and soul. There have been a number of times I, I, I almost get offended because I see the, the lack of, the, the, the amount of indifference to the presence of God. The, the apathy. You know, it's like, no, just leave. That is sometimes how I think, just leave. God rather have you hot or cold, no lukewarmness here. Do you, you know, I'm just being biblical. I'm not trying to be self-righteous or anything, but Jesus does get offended if we don't if we're not excited for him do you know that I'm, I'm just being biblical I'm staying faithful to the text in Revelation he says look I, I would that you rather be hot or cold I don't want to play this compromising stuff with you now I get that there's seasons there's dark seasons. But even those those dark seasons, there's still that impulse that you have in your heart that is still longing for God. I'm not talking about struggling. I'm talking about the sort of proud person that comes into the presence of God and just acts indifferent as if we're coming into just a common meeting. No. 
You know the, the and let me and let me say let me say this with all delicacy. The Bible says of such people that they are profane and that they are adulterers. You know, have you ever wondered why the Bible described Esau as an adulterer and a profane person? All he did was sell his birthright. That doesn't seem like, you know, a big deal. You know why? Because he exchanged what was holy for something so common. Common. You know, let me say this. I've I've met some backsliders that they're they're drunk and they're saying, you know what? I I I don't even want to come to church. And I, I that's not really the right attitude to have. You should still want to come if you're broken, right? But they're like, I, I've sinned against God. I, I, I don't I don't deserve him. See, that's the sort of contrite heart that recognizes I've sinned against what was holy. But there are some people who have polished lives, who look like they're so moral, who act like all is good. But Jesus says this, you're miserable, wretched, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me myself so that you may see. You said I have increased in goods and have need of nothing. But you don't realize you're miserable, wretched, poor, blind, and naked. There's a big difference. Some people actually see their nakedness. They see their poverty. They see it. And they say, Lord, I don't want to be poor. I don't want to be wretched. I don't want to be naked. Lord, clothe me. Lord, cleanse my eyes. But woe be unto the man. Woe be unto the woman that is in fact naked and destitute and desolate. And they say, I have need of nothing, Jesus. Nothing at all. But my my point, though, is that we need to be reminded to fan into flame because it wants to die out. The, The devil wants to extinguish your flame. And he's working every single day to extinguish that flame, to get you to a place to where you're no longer burning hot for God. You're no longer waxing hot for the Lord. You're no longer consumed with passion for for Christ or the things of God. Fanning to flame is an active verb. You must do it. You must fan. The Lord has given you the the, the utensils. The Lord has given you the tools to fan into flame. You must exercise your strength to keep it burning, to keep it hot. I love uh, what Leonard Ravenhill said in one of his sermons. He, he turns it into a prayer. He says, Lord, let nothing die in me that should live and nothing live in me that should die. I'll say it again. May nothing die in me that should live and may nothing live in me that should die. May that fire not die. Amen. But he says to fan and to flame the gift of God. So it is the Lord's good pleasure to give unto you the gift of the Holy Spirit. To give unto you the gifts of the Spirit. He says, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Okay? So, and I know this might offend some of you that have high, such a high view of God and a low view of men, but there are some things that God won't give you until you submit 
to the calling, of the, the giftings of another individual. You know, it's, it's kind of like some people, they're like, they fold their hands and they act like, you know, I don't need a man to, to I don't need, I just need God. And, and yet they're, they're in desperate need for direction and guidance, but they don't believe in the prophetic. God, I'm, I don't believe in that stuff. It's too weird for me. Okay, well, stay stay shrouded in darkness then. <laughs> You'll be shadow boxing till here, and from here to eternity. It, 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 see, the, the reason why the Lord does this is because He wants to create interdependence. There are things that the Lord will not grace you for because your, your gift that the Lord wants to give you is locked behind an individual. Amen, somebody? Your gifting is often locked behind an individual. Individuals are doors. Jesus said, I am the door. But there are some doors that are not the doors. And and men, they serve as doors. Women serve as doors. And, and the Lord has done this. Are, is everybody an eye? No. Is everybody an ear? No. Is everybody a hand? No. Is everybody a foot? No. So this person might be used mightily in the gift of healing. So if someone's sick, we know to call for this brother. Hey, the Lord uses you mightily in this area. Pray for this individual. Some people are really good at administration. So we know if there if there needs to be administration in the house, then the the, the Lord's going to use that individual, right? And so the point that I, I bring this up because the Lord used Paul to lay hands on Timothy so that the gift would be imparted to him. See, there's some things that you can only get by impartation and by association. See, we just want to just come privately to the Lord, disassociated from the members, as if we're going to get all things. See, everything does come from God. The Bible says every good and perfect gift comes from above. But that does not negate the fact that though it comes from above, it will come through people, it comes through circumstances, it comes through individuals. They're just the means of the ultimate source, namely God. And so, we are not to exclude uh, the human agency of men and women that are co-laborers with Christ. You know, Paul didn't have the scales fall from his eyes until Simeon prayed for him. What he met the Lord on the road to Damascus, right? You know, uh, uh, what was Abimelech? He was going to die until Abraham prayed for him. Pharaoh was going to die until Abraham prayed for him. Even though they were innocently going to sleep with his wife, um, because he said that was his sister. 
and and the Lord uh, spared them, but nevertheless they needed the prayers of Abraham. So we need each other is what I'm trying to get at. We we you're all valuable in Christ, and you all have your giftings. Amen. And so you need to, let me say this, the good you know you ought to do and you don't do it, it's sin. So if you know you have a gift and you don't want to contribute, you're sinning. We should be exercising these gifts for the common good. And so, verse 7, he says, For the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid. You know, typically, or some of your translations may say fear. You know, God has not given us a spirit of fear. The word typically there in the Greek is the word phobos, where we get the English word phobia, right? But th- this Greek word is not used as many times as the word phobos, um, and it's the word deleos, and it's it's a unique fear that is rooted in a lack of faith. And so Timothy is timid because of a lack of faith. And Paul is saying us now, now. Let me say this: He's notice. Take note of the fact that he says God has not given us the spirit of fear. So there are spirits that are trying to incite fear in us. By implication, we know that there are spirits that are trying to incite fear. Amen. This is the same word that is used in, in Mark um, chapter 4, verse 40, where Jesus says, Why are you so fearful? Do you still have no faith? And so the devil is going to try to uh, uh, manipulate you, try to exploit your vulnerabilities, try to exploit those weak spots to get you to a place to where you're afraid and you're fearful and you're no longer believing the promises of God. But the Lord doesn't want us crippled by fear. He doesn't want us paralyzed by fear. It doesn't matter how sensible or how valid the the occasion for uh, your fear or how valid you think that occasion is. I have permission to be afraid. No, we never have permission to be afraid. And I don't want to heap guilt upon us. But Jesus uh, did not walk in timidity. He did not walk in terror he walked in confidence he was the lion of the tribe of judah and he walked in boldness he walked not afraid of men but feared the lord feared the father and is this not what jesus said don't fear men who can only kill the body and after that can do no more jesus wasn't just saying that to be religious or to be cute with words he meant that in all actuality don't be afraid of people don't be afraid of demons don't be afraid of anything but have faith in the lord don't have fear in the crashing economy or in Joe Biden or this or that or everything that is going on or Ukraine or, or whatever or, or Putin. We are not to fear them. The Lord at the snap of a finger can make Putin into a Nebuchadnezzar. Give him a, the, 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 um, the mind of a beast. 
Did not Jesus say, I can dispense of however many legions of angels at this moment and can ransack all these Pharisees and Roman soldiers? Was it not the Lord who had sent an angel, one single angel in the days of Sennacherib and slaughtered 145,000 men by one angel? Was it not Elijah the pro- or Elisha the prophet who uh, said to the Lord when praying for his servant, O oh Lord, open up his eyes, for there are more of us than there are of them. Is it not the word of the Lord that says he causes angels to encamp around those who fear him? Is it not the word of the Lord that says in Psalm 91 that he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways, they will lift you up in their hands lest you dash your foot against the stone? Is it not the word of the Lord that says, May God arise and his enemies be scattered? Is it not the word of the Lord that says, Who is the Lord? Uh, open you, uh, the, these gates, you ancient doors, and let the Lord of glory in, who is invincible in battle? This is the word of the Lord. It's not our word. It's not something contrived by men. It is not human philosophy. It is the enduring, everlasting, pure, unadulterated, true, and living Word of God that you and I can take the bank to. We can stand on, we can rest on, we can be steadfast in. Hallelujah. Amen. You know, some of us might begin to rationalize, say, well, you know, you know, brother, you got to understand because, you know, there are bills and, you know, this is... Look at what's going on in the school systems. But Jesus didn't use that form of rationale. And I, I would say this, that you know, Paul, like in the language of Paul, you are yet carnal and think as men. Is it not the mind of Christ that we are to have? And I'm not being oblivious. I'm not being... Um, I'm not an ostrich with the head in the sand. Saying that these things don't really come up against us. And that there will be the temptation to be afraid. And that in the natural, yes, I totally uh, concur with you. This is definitely a reason to be afraid. But God tells us to do the impossible. Because He wants to be able to work that through you. So at the end of the day, you can say, if it had not been the Lord who was on my side, let Israel now say we would have been swallowed up. I love what uh, Apostle Joshua Selman said. He says, if the Lord told you to do what is possible, you haven't heard from God. He only speaks to men as if he speaks to himself. He says, break those loaves and I will feed 5,000. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> so the, the spirit that the Lord gave us doesn't make us timid, but give us power. That's the Greek word dunamis. It's translated power, ability, or might. This is precisely why it says in Ephesians chapter 6, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. So obviously if you come up against many things, you will have every reason to shrink in cowardice, to shrink in fear, to shrink in timidity, to shrink back because we are finite, we are fallible, we are weak. 
We are not strong. Even for those of us that are strong in the flesh, in comparison to the things that assail us and assault us and come up against us, you can be as strong as a Navy SEAL but it, or a Marine, but it doesn't uh, negate the fact that every man has his hour uh, that his, his knees buckle and he stoops down in, in fear. And it's only those who have the power of Christ, the line of the tribe of Judah within them, and fans into flame the gift of God, that you can walk in a power not of your own. You can walk in the ability of not your own. You can walk in the strength of not your own. And that is the strength that Jesus said that we must wait for. That's what he told the apostles, did he not? He says, wait. You cannot even be my witnesses until you wait to be endued with power from on high. And many theologians believe that they waited for ten days in earnest prayer and fasting. Because the Lord had appeared to them for forty days, and then he ascended to the heavens, and then from that forty day mark until the day of Pentecost, and that's what Penta means in the Greek is fifty. Right? So there there's a there's a a lapse of 10 days there. So they were waiting on the Lord for 10 days. You know, isn't that how we kind of... That's not how we are in prayer. Like, Lord, I want you to come now. You know, I got to kind of go to work or, you know, I, I need to do this other stuff. You know, I, I, you know, I just want to get on uh, Instagram. You know, let me just get on with my day, Lord. But who are we to give orders to the Holy Ghost? If the Lord says, I'm waking you up at three in the morning, you're enduring two hours of prayer, can you do it? Will you do it? The Lord says, no, I don't want you to hang out with them. I need you to stay here and pray. What do I pray about? Nothing, just bask in my presence. That's what we need to do if we're going to be endued with power. But look at what it says. It says, For the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. We need power. And we need love. And we need self-discipline. We need all three of these things. See, my brothers and sisters, the reason why the church is the way it is today is because we're lacking in power. And because we are lacking in power, we have to make up with it for gimmicks. We have to substitute. We have to have comedies and jokes, uh, you know, in replacement for sermons. We have to have religious TED Talks. We have to have everything under the sun because we can't manifest the Spirit. Christ is not in our midst. I'm sorry, but the church, the hungry, the sick and dying world doesn't come for religious TED Talks. They come for the living Christ. That's whom they need. They need the living Christ. They don't need religious TED Talks. They don't need a religious foot rub or a, pat, a religious pat on the back. They don't need to be told um, that you know all is going to be well. They need to be endued with the Holy Spirit. We need power. Power. <clears throat> 
But power comes through crucifixion. We we cannot we cannot play footsies with the devil and think that we're gonna walk in power. We can't play patty cake patty cake with the devil and think we're gonna walk in power. We have to leave those stuff behind. We have to abandon all of those things of the world. And say, so, you know what, Lord, I am entirely consecrated to you. There's this old song that says, If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. Take my hands, Lord, and my feet. Touch my heart, Lord, speak through me. You can use anything, Lord, you can use me. Do we still have that available disposition in our hearts that says, Lord, if you can use anything, use me. I need you, Lord. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. The soul there is transitionary. Because if we don't have power, you know what we will succumb to? We will come succumb to an ashamedness. But Paul says, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. Right? The, the Bible says in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, it says, For the power of God is, uh, uh, the, power, uh, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. It says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because there is power in the gospel. It is for that reason I am not ashamed. So Paul, he's telling Timothy, he says, look, God hasn't given us a spirit of timidity. God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind or of self-discipline. So, he says, he says there, so do not be ashamed. So the do not be ashamed is grounded upon this reality. You have power. To be ashamed is, is to shrink back in faithlessness. This is why Jesus says, if you don't confess me before men, but are ashamed of me before men, I will be ashamed of you. Amen. How can you remain steadfast and bold in the face of people and not be ashamed? Power. Power. You need more than self will you need more than to spin the wheels of your mind say i'm gonna go to hell if i deny jesus i'm gonna go to hell if i deny jesus that sort of rational self-talk no forget self-talk it's god talk i'm talking to god i need power that's how i endure this stuff lord fill me lord clothe me lord endure me and it's, it's men and women that obtain that grace through the vehicle of prayer that you can walk as Samson did and rip the shred Philistines. Was it not the, uh, the David who said, uh, you know, because of the Lord I can scale a wall, I can, I can defeat a troop, I can overcome a bear, I can overcome Goliath, I can overcome a lion? That's not fairy tale of fiction stories. That stuff happened historically. How did it happen? Because God endued a man. God found a man like he found a glove and he put him on. And God was the engine of that man. 
Let me ask you this question, my brothers and sisters. Is God the engine of your life? Or is it merely principles? Is it merely Bible memorization? I'm not knocking principles. I'm not knocking Bible memorization as good as that it is. But here's the problem with Bible memorization without the Holy Spirit being the engine of your soul. Is it, I don't know if you guys ever had like, you know, on Microsoft Word and you try to change the font settings and you change it every time to change it to number 12 or change it to Times New Roman. But what happens if the default settings are not changed? When you close that laptop and you come back, you're going to go back to the original font setting. You can keep memorizing Bible. Uh, believe this, believe this, believe this. But if you don't have the strength of the Holy Spirit as your hard drive, as your default setting, you're going to return back to not believing the very scriptures you've put in yourself in the first place. Amen. It's by virtue of my, my, my rich intimacy with the living Christ that the Holy Spirit speaks to me. And he says, this is true, son. Walk in this way. When he breathes upon the scriptures because the Holy Spirit is in me and I have my ears tuned to hear what the Spirit is saying, I can now have faith because it's not memorization. It is internalization. Because there is a spirit living within me bearing witness to his own word. That is what gives strength to our walk. And it is that that serves as the basis of faith, nothing else. You can keep cramming verses in your mind. You can keep reading books. But you know what? I have a spirit in me that is far greater and, and more intelligent than Google search engine. And he searches the scriptures for me. He knows it better than Google. He knows it better than the devil. He knows it better than theologians. So I say, Spirit of God... The, who lives within me. Oh Lord, I need you. I need counsel. I need wisdom. I need direction. I need you to breathe upon this word to give me insight into which way that I take. And he that uh, discloses dark sayings and riddles and parables, he's able to bring to light and manifestation what, I, what is hidden in darkness. And so it's that spirit living within us that catapults us, that graces us, and enables us to not be ashamed. Because I'm right there with you. I don't care how strong you are in the flesh. If our lives are about to be taken. It's only the power of God that will enable us to endure. Amen. It's only his power. Amen. When something tragic happens in your life, when, for example, when my mother passed away, she died before my very eyes. She was spitting out blood. It's a tragic sight to see. I didn't even get to say goodbye. Overcome with mourning. I remember some brothers had uh, found out about it. I had told them it was I was I I was working. Uh, graveyard shifts at uh, the slaughterhouse at the time and um, I was just broken man and um, it was about 
1 a.m. or no, it was about midnight. And I told them, and they they had some youth night or something that they had just gotten back from or something. And they were driving to Woodlake, uh, some some towns away from me, and then they found out. And I'm uh, I'm some distance away, and they drive all the way over here, and I'm at a.m. p.m. parking lot because it's open 24 hours. And uh, I'm, you know, in the back seat of my, in the bed of my truck, just sitting and crying. And they pray for me there at a.m. p.m. It was probably like 11, 11 o'clock. And uh, the Holy Ghost comes on me and I began speaking in tongues in front of everybody real loud at <laughs> a.m. p.m. But the presence of God came in such a unique and powerful way. And all of my sorrow and all of my mourning was swallowed up. And I had come out with a far greater joy than I had prior to knowing my mother had passed away. Because God is able to literally do the impossible by His power. Amen. And I did not shed a tear of sorrow afterward. I was so overcome with the joy of the Holy Ghost. And so when we're in the face of sorrow and suffering and pain and terror, of course you're going to be discouraged if you have to rely on yourself. Of course. Understandably so. But we have a spirit who never flinches in the face of adversity. Never once has flinched. In the face of adversity. And he is the strength of my life. Isn't that what the psalmist said? When my heart and my flesh fail. God is my strength. And he is my portion. We have to get this stuff in us. And believe it. But he says this, he says, So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel. So, we see that if we are not joining in suffering for the gospel, that doesn't mean recklessly, carelessly, just fall headlong into saying, Oh, I'm going to just suffer. And just make suicidal decisions. Right, shipwrecks because of being naive, right, or reckless or careless. Um, But when we don't join as participants in the sufferings of Christ, what happens is Paul defines that as being ashamed. The opposite of ashamedness is confidence. And so if we're Partaking in the sufferings of Christ, that means that we are confident. Not in ourselves, but in Him. So Paul, he gives this command, Rather join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. There you see that once again. By His power. Not mine, not yours, but by His power. So what is exactly the gospel? What's the gospel of the kingdom? Christ Jesus died 
For our sins in accordance with the scriptures was buried on the third day, rose again, ascended to the right hand of the majesty and high. But what are the implications of his ascension? What does that mean for us? It means that the world has a king and a ruler and he wants to overtake this world. And the way that we do that is not through the carnal weapons, but through the uh, uh, um, the weapons of God that are mighty to pull down strongholds. And it's the evangelization of the world. And so it's this gospel that the Lord doesn't want us to be ashamed of. It has power. It has power to convert. This kingdom has power. We're not a powerless kingdom. Amen, somebody? We're not some weak, uh, uh, broken wrist, uh, jelly back, you know, religious goers that are devoid of power. Amen. The Lord has demonstrated that under the right circumstances you mess with his people, he'll strike you blind. He'll strike you dead. Didn't, didn't Simon the sorcerer learn the hard way when he messed with the Apostle Paul? He said, you're going to be blind for a season. Stop perverting the ways of the Lord. Didn't he strike Herod dead with an angel? Didn't he afflict Egypt with uh, uh, diseases and plagues? Our God is mighty in battle. And if God is for us, who can be against us? Amen, somebody? Well, did, Amen. Not, did not the Lord say to, he says, because Jezebel didn't repent, I'm going to afflict her on her sickbed? Amen. Does it not say in the Psalms, he says, the needy shall not be forgotten, neither the hope of the afflicted perish? Did not the Lord say in the Psalms, now will I arise for the cry of the needy? A lot of Christians think that Jesus is just, you know, like almost glad at the suffering of his saints. Not knowing that the cup of his wrath is boiling up. Not for the church, but for, but unto the wicked. Because the Lord has not appointed us unto wrath. <clears throat> but nevertheless, I'm um, coming to a close here. He says, don't be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me as prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. I wanted to read 1 Peter here real quickly. It's 1 Peter chapter 4. Um, verses 12 through 13. The word of the Lord says, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when His glory is revealed. So, in other words, look, some of, some of you are like, man, why am I going through this? You know why you're going through it? It's because you are one of His. Amen, somebody. The reason why you're going through suffering is because you're one of His. You belong to Him. So, Peter knows that you might be tempted to say, this is pretty strange. (laughs) 
This, these sufferings are pretty strange. Why are my family members now hating me because I profess faith in Christ? I thought they would have been happy that I'm off of drugs. Why are they like now turning against me? Or, you know, or I thought my, my, my boss would have been happy I had converted to the Lord. I'm no longer stealing from the company. He's like, but now he's like, man, I, I'd rather have you as a thief than, than, to, uh, than to be a Christian telling me I need to repent of my sins, right? <laughs> That's how it turns out sometimes. You know? So don't think it's strange. We are never to think it's strange, my brothers and sisters. There is a very real devil, and he lurks, and he wants to try to snatch us up. But the Bible says this. He says, be sober and vigilant. And I, I want to read, uh, it's also in 2 Timothy, but it's chapter 3, verse 12. And it says this. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. While evildoers and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and, be, and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it. And so, we will be persecuted. We will be afflicted. Now that might mean uh, harassment by the devil in your thoughts. He's trying to tell you, you you're not saved, and he wants to afflict you and harass you and pimp you out. Or it might be someone at your job, and they're saying, you know, stop with this Jesus stuff. I'm going to get you fired. Whatever it is, it may not be physical death, but we are nevertheless to experience tribulation. And tribulation means pressure. There is pressure that is placed up against the church. And Paul says, look, but don't, don't fret. You have power. And this power never exhausts. It is cyclical. It keeps cycling. And the Lord gives more and more grace and more grace and more grace and more grace. Say, Lord, I can't do that. The Lord gives you grace to do it. Or says, you say, I've endured to my last point. The Lord says, I'm giving you more grace so that you do not grow weary. But this is what we've been called to is to suffer for the gospel, to be afflicted for the gospel, to stand in the face of adversity. Didn't Jesus say, blessed are you when when people speak evil of you for my name's sake, for great is your reward in heaven? Blessed are you who mourn for you shall be comforted. But rejoice, but rejoice my brothers and sisters. Not for the suffering, but in the suffering. Paul said, Paul didn't say be thankful to get beat up like a, a, a punching bag. He said be thankful in the suffering. You know why? And I like singing that song. It won't always be like this. The Lord will perfect that concern in me. Sooner or later, turn in my favor. It ain't always going to be like this. Soon will come the day when our adversaries will bow that knee and confess Him as Lord. 
and we won't shed a tear evermore. Amen. There will be no more suffering, no more sorrow, no more mourning, no more pain. No more pain, no more suffering. Where all of our suffering will be rewarded. The Lord bottles up every tear. He sees every cry. He hears every groan. He sees the lonely nights of you enduring, abstaining from unpermitted, uh, non-permitted sexual relations. That is a form of suffering. Don't, don't discount it just because you're not dying as a martyr. If you're abstaining and saying, you know, Lord, I, I'm abstaining from all that stuff. I'm not, I'm not giving into those temptations. You are suffering. The Lord says you are blessed and he rewards you for that. It may not seem that great of a noble form of suffering because it's like, well, <laughs> you know, there's other people going through worse stuff. But no, the Lord says even if you, a cup of cold water, if you give in his namesake, if he's going to reward a cup of cold water, don't you think that when you're suffering and say, man, that, that, that person looks really good. And they're kind of hitting on me at the store. And no one's around. But Jesus is more beautiful than that temptation. Lord, I'm saying no. Give me grace, Lord. Give me strength, Lord. Give me power, God. It's hard, Lord. And you know it's hard. But I, I want to honor you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And let us not minimalize that form of suffering because... For some of you, that may not be your problem. You may have been very greedy and you're like, you have a chance to steal from your boss. Maybe, you know, $10,000 or 10,000 euros or whatever. Or, or whatever currency you got. Uh, Lithuanian dollars, Croatian dollars, <laughs> Hungarian dollars. <laughs> Philippine, Philippines dollars or whatever. I don't know. So, you might have a chance to steal that. It's like, no. Let him who stole steal no longer. This is a form of suffering. It is. Because that would make your life easier, right? It's for the gospel. No, I won't. No, I won't. Or when you want to lash out and attack the people who have attacked your character. No, I won't. No. In fact, the Lord's telling me some of you have been uh, sharply accused. And some of you are dealing with some very sword-like, dagger-like words. And you're tempted to Respond and retaliate. And the Lord says drop it. <clears throat> Suffer for the gospel. God will give you power. Um, let, me just, let me just read uh, through this. Um, he has saved us and called us to a holy life. Not because of anything we have done. But because of his own purpose and grace. Isn't that encouraging? And that, that will help us in the time of suffering. That I'm only here because, not because I'm such a good person. 
I don't even deserve to be here. But because of his own purpose and grace. Let me let me tell you something I learned from a, a guy named uh, Bishop Veron Ash. Uh, he says, you don't got purpose. Let me. I hate to break it to you, you ain't got purpose. God has purpose. And the only purpose you got is God's purpose. He called you for his purposes, not yours. But let me tell you this, his purposes are greater than ours and they're more fulfilling than ours. Amen. 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 And so God has purpose and he called you according to his purpose and his grace. He hasn't called you to purposelessness and he hasn't called you to wrath. He's called you to purpose and he's called you to grace. And this grace was given us. It wasn't worked for. It wasn't earned for. It was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And of this gospel I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. That is why I am suffering as I am. Yet this is no cause for shame, because I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. Well, now, coming to a close, isn't that encouraging? The Lord is able to guard what he has entrusted to you. Isn't that what he did for Job? Lord said, set a hedge of protection around him. The devil couldn't breach it. It was only uh, breached once the Lord says, yeah, 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 you can afflict him up until this point. The Lord is able to guard you until that day. There's a song by Kirk Franklin. He's able. He's able. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. He's able. Um, the classic. I know, right? Nineties classic. <laughs> but the Lord is able to. I know, right? The dance, little head bob. <laughs> Some of you guys will go like this with a, with a little cane too. Little cane on your left hand, going like this. A little top hat with uh with uh Malachi's little uh jazz hats, little glasses. <laughs> tap tapping his right foot when he's singing coffee with some jazz playing. <laughs> Real smooth. <laughs> but the Lord has destroyed death. <clears throat> and isn't that an encouragement that you shall not pass unto death. You shall not taste death. But you shall taste life. He that believes on me, as the scripture says, shall not taste death, but has transferred from condemnation unto life. My brothers and sisters, if you have believed on Christ, you're not appointed to wrath. You will enjoy the salvific benefits of Christ's shed blood. In other words, you shall obtain everlasting life. Amen. That is our portion. But that eternal life resides within us today. And it's that life where we bring wherever there's death. 
wherever there is cantankerous illnesses of sin, we bring the uh, life and the light of the gospel. Leprosy won't affect us. The spiritual leprosy of our day won't impact us because God is in us. I love what Leonard Ravenhill said. He says, God won't die in you. God won't die in us. Hallelujah. And so, <clears throat> as we close, I want to exhort and to urge us to continue to endure, to continue to endure sufferings, to continue to endure heartaches, to continue to endure hardship, to continue to endure turmoil and slander, and to not shrink back in timidity, to not shrink back in fear, but to be thou strong and courageous like the Lord told Joshua, to be strong and courageous, for the Lord is with you and he is mighty in battle. He will never leave you nor forsake you. He will not leave you in the lurch. He will not leave you depleted. He will not leave you worse off than you were before without him. Your life will become better in and through him. He doesn't leave unfinished product. He doesn't uh, leave the assembly lined, you know, like, oh, I quit. He that began a good work in us will complete it. But we have an obligation to continue to remain submitted to him and to, and to obtain his power. And this is the crux of the matter, that we are to walk in power. And that is the only way that we will endure the things that we experience. And the way that we do that is very simply is to continue to plead for power from on high. We must make this a lifestyle. We must make this a lifestyle. To continue to plead and plead. And so for some of you, the Lord has to break that very hard. Some of you are too strong in the flesh. And it's difficult for you to become dependent on the Lord. May the Lord reveal it to you very soon that it's much easier to rely on Him. Amen. You know, sometimes my boy, he asks for me to do things. Because he can't do it. But when there are things he thinks he can do, but he don't do it, I'm just sitting and watching like, man, when are you just going to learn? <laughs> I'm, I'm here, just ask me. Right? You know, it's funny because when he was a boy, because I love hugging him, right? And he's like very antsy, he just loves to move everywhere. He can't stay put anywhere for long. And even when he was a baby and he couldn't move, he would like grunt and move and like he would be like two months old wanting to get up and walk. He just couldn't stay still. He's like, uh, 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 and he still does that today. See, there's a lot of things that you want to move to, but you can't. God has to give you power. 
And you're going to keep running on those treadmills endlessly. The Lord says, you know what, let me jack up this treadmill a little bit. <laughs> let me put on overdrive. Let's see if this person gets tired and you're still running. I got it. I got it. I got this. I know this guy ain't for me, but I'm still going to try to make it work. I'm tired. Whew. Ah. 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 Oh, she's pretty. She's pretty. Let me just keep trying. Oh, she, you know, <laughs> I can make this work. We just had a Bible study yesterday. Ah. I'm trying. Whew. Come on. <laughs> Lord's like, you ain't getting it yet. Let me jack this treadmill up some more. And you end up flying off, right? Have you ever seen those little Facebook reels? I seen one just recently. It was utterly ridiculous. I don't understand for the life of me why this guy had high heels on trying to run on a trip. <laughs> he had high heels on trying to... <laughs> Man, what people do for fame and likes and stuff. It's, it's ridiculous. Um, <clears throat> don't try to run this Christian life with high heels on. In other words, if the Lord says don't do it, cut it out. Alright? Put on some proper gear. Alright? So let's, uh, amen someone? I hope we're not dejected.